Please turn in your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21. I'm going to start reading at verse 9, and we'll read through verse 17. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. And said unto them, Is it written, or it is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, there were sore displeased. And said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus said unto them, Yes, have ye never read, Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? And he left them and went out of the city into Bethany, where and when he lodged, and he lodged there. So we're going to talk about praise today, and I've entitled what I want to try to say, The Paradox of Praise. It seems like Jesus had to struggle so much, even with his beloved disciples, about what his kingdom was about, about what was important in life, even about who he really was. I really believe that he still has to struggle with us. He has to be so patient. We have so much to learn about Jesus' ways. God's ways are surely not our ways. That is so true. But I want to talk about that, and I've titled what I want to try to say, again, the paradox of praise. Now, first of all, let's think about what praise is. I know you already know this, but I wanted to just make sure we understand praise. Praise is adoration, it's lifting up, extolling uh, God. Praise Him. That means that we, we cherish Him. He is one we treasure above all others. Uh, he is glorified when we praise Him. Psalms 50, uh, verse 23 says, He that praises me glorifies me. Praise then is, is offering to God, giving God the glory that only He deserves. It's adoring Him. Uh, understanding the benefits we get from Him. And really, praise is not some deal we have to feel like doing. Praise is not something really that God gets that much out of it, nor is praise something that we get out of it, something we get from it to benefit us. All that is happening, but that's not the main reason for praise. See, the, pra the reason for praise, and we're commanded to praise even, is because it is the right thing to do. Praise is always right. 
Sometimes we wonder what we need to do in our lives and what the will of God is, but I want you to know that praising God will always fit. Praise God all the time. It should be just like our breath that we praise God, that we lift Him up, exalt Him, bless Him. While we ought to go to bed tonight, and I bet you already do, because praise is an is a overflow of the grace of God in a life and a born-again believer. If you're not a child of God, then there's no way you can praise God. But when you are, you, it's almost like you have to. And there's a place in Scripture where Jesus talks about even the stones will cry out if they didn't, if they didn't, if they didn't get the praise. So praise is just so important in our lives. We need, to, we need to go to bed thanking God, praising God. Don't you do that even on your pillow? I, I mean, I do. I, I think about, thank you, God, for this day, that you let me live this day, that you let me breathe your air, that you gave me, Lord, this life this day. Forgive me, Lord, for the sins I've committed today, but, oh, Lord, thank you and praise you for the blood of Christ that was shed for my sins. Praise Him for your family and for your, your, your health, your strength, your, even your pain and all that God gives you. Just praise Him. And then you know what? We get up in the morning, we ought to wash our faith with praise. That ought to get the, the sleep out of our eyes, just washing off with God's praise. Oh, praise God. I'm going to tell you, the birds do it. They get up early and they praise God. Those little birds, they praising God. You know, I said the other night somewhere, I think, in a message, and I thought about it. We had some little biddies we got for down around Easter for the girls, and these little chicks, you know, and they were out there, and I hadn't had a, been around them in a while, but I put a little water in there, and you watch those little chicks. We can learn from them, because they would take a little sip of water, and the first thing they do, even those little chicks, they'd get a sip of water, and they look up. They take a water, and they look up. Sometimes we don't ever look up. We need to look up. That's praising God. When you look up, you're praising God. And I tell you, my friends, we need to be looking up. We sometimes look around too much. We need to look up and praise God. Because that's where everything we come, comes from God. Everything we have comes from God. Even the want to and the ability to praise God, <laughs> everything we get comes from God. David said that in 2 Chronicles, I was reading, or 1 Chronicles 29, the last chapter, I believe it is, and he was making sure that everybody knew that, that he was given everything Solomon needed to build the temple. And he closed that great salutation of praising God. He says, everything, God, comes from you. All this gold and silver that you've blessed me to accumulate is really yours anyway. So I'm giving it to you, God, to praise you. And the temple that was built for God in the Old Testament was built to praise God, but it was built from the material that God made. And so God builds his churches to praise him. God saved you and me to praise him. But he does that by his grace. And may, may God help us to, to break the chains and praise God. So, so you don't have to raise your hands or, or you don't have to say amen just because the preacher says, says, can I get an amen? What we need to do is just in our hearts just rejoice. Now if you want to raise your hands, that's plumb all right with me. Or if you want to say amen, that's okay. But I'm going to tell you what, just let that heart know today. Don't you get out of this room without praising God. We have so many reasons to praise Him and to thank Him for His day. So the paradox, though, of praising God. I wanted to deal with that because we're dealing with little children. Jesus loves little children. The reason Jesus loves little children is because little children are simple, they're honest, and they always have a gleam of praise in their eye. 
Life of a child is not boring. They always have an imagination. And we really need to be inventing ways even to praise God every day we live. How can we praise God more? In your work, in your life, in your church, uh, in your worship, in your prayers. Uh, even when you sleep, we ought to praise God. Just some way, praise God. Maybe just dream about Him. I don't know if He'd let us. But what a blessing it is to praise God. Jesus loves little children. That's our theme. And we've dealt with uh, that little children we found from Jesus Himself or the pattern of His kingdom. Because He says, you remember, I believe it's in the uh, 18th chapter of Matthew. He says, you know, if you don't become like a little child, you cannot become a part of the kingdom of God. So he teaches us, doesn't he? There's a paradox in that, that, that we have to be, it's not so much growing up to be such a big man, it's going down to be a little child. I mean, just depending on God. Just really uh, thanking God that we have everything we need and that we do. A little child does not worry about pandemics. A little child does not worry about the world issues. A little child has the comfort of being in that godly parent's grace and, and care. And we, in a much greater way, have the greatest father of all fathers, the Lord, uh, who has taken on the responsibility of caring for us, his wayward children, saving sinners like us. And then last week we talked about the power of prayer. Now, any little child that cries, for every mother here, you know that gets your attention. I want you to know that God hears the prayers of children. He does. You know, and I take this in, in a way, uh, you know, we think, I think we miss so many blessings because we don't consider the little things. Uh, my daughter Jennifer was telling me not long ago their cat got off and they couldn't find their pet cat and they uh, asked, you know, around, couldn't find it and she said, you know, Daddy and our cat came home when Noah, the little one, prayed for him. That cat came home the next day. You might say, well, that's just a happen chance. I'm going to tell you, you find your little children, what they're praying for, God hears the prayers of little children. The, what I want to say, the paradox, now what is a paradox? A paradox is a, a, a statement or idea or, that is contradictory, really absurd. Yet, when you investigate it, it is true. You got that? That's what, that's what a paradox is. Really thinking about who we are as Christians is a great paradox. Because we're all sinners, and yet God has made us saints through the blood of Christ. And he saved us by his grace so completely that we're just as if we never sinned. That's what justification is. So I want to talk about the paradox of praise, and I want to give, use three very clear points from God's Word that I know you all are familiar with that will remind us of that. But see what's happening here. Jesus is rebuking, again, these Pharisees who think they know it all. But see, you can't praise God when you think you know it all. When you praise God, you can't come thinking about and holding on to what's good with yourself and what's right about you. You cannot praise God criticizing everybody else. You can't. You take people that, that criticize, really they do it because they think they're wiser than everybody else. And that is not praising God. So these Pharisees come and they said, Jesus, or you hear these little children, won't you do something about it? 
What does Jesus say? He says, that is the praise, is really what he's saying, that really I look for. So the paradox, I want to say three things, the paradox of praise. Number one is, when we are weak, then are we strong. Now that's a paradox, but it's true. I want you to know that your weakness is your greatest strength. Whatever is the weakest part of your life, that is your greatest strength. You don't need to be ashamed of it to the point that you feel like I can't be used. Because what God is doing and why he allowed that to come in your life is to give you strength. When you get to that weakest point of your life, that is going to be your strength. I am told by people who do construction and welding that when a piece of iron is broken and it's welded together, back together properly, that is the strongest part of that iron. It's even stronger than the unbroken parts. I think that's what God is talking about when he says when you're weak then are you strong. And when you think about a child this is weakness. We, little, the weakest creature there is, a little baby comes in this world. Can't wipe their uh, nose or eat or anything hardly on their own. They have to be nurtured. And when we come into God's kingdom we need to, be, need to be like those babes that desire the sincere milk of God's word. Now Jesus, and it's, it's kind of like a, a little bit of sarcasm here. He says, haven't you read? He tells these Pharisees, who, as you know, are supposed to be really experts on the word of God. Jesus said, well, haven't you read that out of mouth of babes, God gets praise? God gets that from the Word. Turn with me to Psalm 8. You know that's where that is, but let's look at it. Psalm Division 8, and we'll find that. And here we see a condensation of God in Creator. Verse 1, Psalm 8. O Lord our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Who has set thy glory above the heavens? So, Here's a contradiction in a, in a measure. God, the creator of all, he is above all, yet he condescends to us in our weakness and brings us up to be really in his likeness, both in his image and creation, making us out of dust, but also in spiritual when he saved us by his grace. And bring us to the point that our sins are forgiven and we can have fellowship with a thrice holy God. Okay? And verse 2, that's where Jesus gets that. It says, Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest steal the enemy and the avenger. So here we see that. That's where weakness comes. When we're weak, we're strong. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings. So think about God in salvation. What we needed and desperately need is a Savior. How did Jesus come? He come as a little baby, right, in Bethlehem. That's how Jesus came. The scripture says that he was made a little lower than the angels. So God condescended to our low estate and gave us a Savior, but he gave it in the weakness of all things as a little baby. And that's just amazing to me to think about it. 
And then, and then and in all of long scripture, the very first prophecy that was ever given of salvation when the sin of the Garden of Eden was committed by Adam and Eve was by weakness of a little baby. When God said and pronounced the doom of Satan, when he said the seed of a woman, that's a baby, would bruise the serpent's head. When Israel was in bondage in Egypt, God did not stir up the Assyrian army to overtake them and free them. He could have done that. But what did he do? He made a little baby. And that little baby was put in a basket in the river. And that little baby cried. And somebody heard that little baby cry. And it turned out that it was Pharaoh's daughter. And it turned out that that she decided she wanted to raise that little baby. And she took that little baby and raised him up in Pharaoh's court. And God used that little baby to lead his people out of bondage. That little baby's name was Moses. See, the mouths of babes and sucklings. These young ones that sit on this row in other places in this church and other churches. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings. Who knows what one day they may have claimed of the testimony of God or you. I want you to notice in verse 9, these parents of these babies were singing hosannas. They were praising God. Be sure, parents, when you know that you bring up your children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, praising God, that's what that means, that they will not depart from that when they get old. You see what's happening here in the verses I'm reading? We see the parents praising God. The children are praising God. We need to praise God because that is the example we see and we see the weakness of, of that God gives us and how we strengthen us in our praise of God. Now look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Here's a verse that I know you're familiar with and I wanted to share with you again and to underline the very fact that when we're weak, then we're strong. And I think Jesus, that is really the lesson that Jesus is teaching us, in my view, in this text that we just read this morning. That the paradox of praise, that out of the mouths of babes and sucklings. See, it's not that seraphims and, and cherubims can't praise God. But what God is saying, it's little children that praise me the way I want to be praised. See, it's not the orchestra of or the choirs that praise God. They can praise God. What it is, is the little childlikeness of individuals. No matter how great the congregation is, it is correlated, real praise, to the one person in the room that has a childlike attitude about praising God, about understanding their weakness and relying on the strength of God. See, we were going to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You know, that's the place the Apostle Paul, who had become weak before he could be strong, and yet God used him in a mighty, mighty way, as you know. But here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, in verse 8, here's what the Scripture says, And for this thing I besought the Lord thrice, three times, that it might depart from me. You remember he had a thorn in the flesh, had a problem, had a pain, had a hurt. He wanted to get rid of it, just like we all do. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient 
for thee. Now that's what Jesus said. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Do you believe God's grace is sufficient for you? You know the only way you're going to realize that is have weakness. Understand your weakness. I said a while ago that your weakness is your greatest strength. The problems in your life that you deal with, don't wonder why they come to me. You know, we always do. We say, God, he says, I'm going to give you strength, and I'm going to give it in your weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I remind you of this, friends, that Jesus on the cross, Jesus did not save us in his strength. Listen now, he saved us in his weakness. That's how he saved us. He submitted to the Father. He submitted in his weakness. He could have called legions of angels. He said that, but he did not. He says, in, he said, Father, not my will, but thine be done. When he committed his very spirit to God, so, you know, sometimes we think we're kind of weakness, but never fear. The omnipotence of God can overcome any dilemma, problem that you and I face. He can. And we need to rely on that, but we need to be like little children and understand that. You know, a little child will believe the Bible as facts. We have the idea that we've got to doubt a little bit, you know. It can't be really true. We don't like to admit that, but in the back of our minds, because we're so smart and intelligent, and we think we've read so much and done so much that, that it has to be, but we've got to be like a little child. So we need to understand that when we're weak, then are we strong. You know, David took on the giant Goliath when he was just a lad, the Bible says. I mean, here's a giant of giants, defied the armies of Israel. What happened? David said in his weakness, David says, I don't need the armor, tells the king. What I need is God. And he picks up a little rock and knocks the, 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 the Goliath out with. How did he do that? Because God is saying that when you're weak, then are you strong. You know, Gideon's army, thousands of men gathered. God said, that's too many. He kept whittling them down. He got about 300. Why? Because he said, you will glory in your strength. And God says, I'm not going to share my glory with another. So, so understand that you praise God and understand that we do that. There's a paradox in it that you do it in your weakness. You praise God because that's where you find your strength. Sometimes I wonder if we think we're going to wait to get out of this situation when things get better. No, now is the time to praise God right where we are, right in our weakest moment. Secondly, I wanted to say this. That another paradox that shows us the praise that only God is due is, is, is understanding that we have to lose to gain, okay? You got to give it up to get it. Now, that doesn't make a lot of sense. And it does it humanly, but it does with God. Turn with me to Mark. Gospel of Mark chapter 8, and we're going to see Jesus. He says this in other places, but I wanted to read this. Mark 8, verse 34 through 38. It says this, Mark 8, 34, And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now that doesn't seem like the kind of, kingdom most of us want to be in. 
Yet, we find when we deny ourselves, we take up our cross, we follow him. And then he says in verse 35, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. That's amazing how, how God took weak things and, and used them for his praise. Uh, in the Old Testament, for example, uh, the uh, Old Testament worship sacrificial system that God set up, a person could worship God uh, simply with a ram without blemish. But a person could also just, just be just as accepted with a pigeon. It, that's how God set it up. He says, bring what you got. That's what we need to do to God. Bring what we have and be willing to give it all to God. Because in our losses is where we're going to find our gains. I want to tell you something that happened to me. And I'm not telling you this for your pity. But in my life, and you probably have this in your life as a born-again believer. Because I'm going to tell you, there's so many of our experiences go together. But be careful for what you kind of hold on to too tightly. Don't ever let anything come between you and God. Because you can't praise God like that. But I remember this. When Penny and I were married, I had a business. And it was doing pretty well, you know. You're paying your debts. It's not as lucrative as a lot of people say. You know, in your business for yourself, you must be making a lot of money. But you got to pay quarterly taxes. I still remember that. But I do remember that, that in that time in my life, okay, uh, when I thought everything was just right, and um, we, had, we had a little baby born. Penny and I's first little baby, little John Emery, was diagnosed six months old. Little baby. I'm talking about the mouths of babies and suck, what they'll do to you. I don't have to tell any parent in here, a baby, a child changes your life, right? They change your life. And then God, that's right, that's how it is. They're gifts from God. But they change your priorities. They change your sleep pattern. They, they change every part of your life. That's what a little baby does. Your children, and they're always your children, no matter how old they are, okay? So this little baby boy came in our life, and uh, as you would be and are, I mean, what a blessing. But I'm going to tell you, if you've never lost a child, I pray that you never do, but when you, if you ever do, then, then you have a glimpse of what I'm trying to tell you, okay? Because uh, in, that, in that situation, he was diagnosed. I still remember being in Augusta. I remember the room I was in, how the sun shone in the window when the doctor came in and told Penny and I that our son was going to die. And the doctor we had was a godly Christian man, I believe, but he was very to the point. He didn't kind of flirt around the edges. He said, that's how it is. And it was just... I could feel the weight. See, I was not preaching then and, and all that, but, but I remember that. But I remember in the track of that young boy's life, driving to Augustine back, I found out that a grown man, you can cry all the way from Statesboro to Augusta. I used to have a towel in the back seat of my Bronco that I used to wipe my tears till I got to the hospital. Now, my wife, I don't know where she got the strength to stay with that young but she did all the time. And she stayed, stayed with him. But I would go back in two, and I remember walking the sidewalks of the hospital up there. And God did something to me through that baby. I don't know what it was. I can't explain to it. I remember when Penny and I were married, and I used to like to hunt. Hunting was a part of me that God gave me, and I know it just kept me out of a lot of trouble. And I, I thank God for right now for it. 
And, and I would hunt at night. I'd look at the stars. But you know what? One night I was out there. And uh, something came over me. Probably as close as uh, I've ever been to hearing the audible voice of God. And he's something like, Randy, you don't need to be out here. You got a little baby at home. A sick baby. Now my wife never said, now Randy, don't go hunt. Never said that. But God did, okay? God changed my priorities. He got me when I went. I went home, I put my dogs in the pen, and I've never been back. I haven't yet been back. You know what the strange thing is? I never missed it. I never missed it. I never regretted doing it, but I never missed it. That little baby changed me. And about that time, I don't know what you're going to think of this. Maybe it's not to your good, but I know what. People started asking me to speak in church. And you know where that went. Just that little baby. Now, I've never told anybody that before, but I see that when I read these scriptures about mouth, out of mouths of babies and suckers. There's a lot of babies that will change parents. There's a lot of parents in churches today that God has saved by His grace that a little child has said, Well, Mama, would you take me to church? Daddy, would you quit drinking? You see, you see that is powerful. And so, so, so when, but when we understand, when we lose, in the loss of my son, I gained. And, you know, I'm not saying that in a way. You won't understand it unless you lose one. But the gain of that is the riches of Christ in his blessings. And what a blessing is that is. We ought to be able to praise God enough to let our loved ones die. We need to praise God enough to know that it's God's will and that everything comes through us. We can praise him for it and bless him. We need to be able to thank God for our problems even. You know, the worst problem you can ever have is not having any problems. You hear me? That's a bad problem. Because the problem is not your problem. The problem is your attitude about your problem. The problem is you're not praising God. God is not saying, when we get all your problems, you can praise me. God says, praise me now. Praise me right where you are with whatever little you have because I'm going to tell you, I'm going to take your weakness, I'm going to take your mess, and I'm going to straighten it up, and I'm going to bring beauty out of ashes. That's how God gets glory. And we're to praise Him and thank Him for it. So, what a blessing. I did have one more thing to say, but it's about time to go. But what did I say? Paradox of praise. That's what we're talking about. When we're weak, then are we strong. When we lose, then we gain. That's how the apostle Paul, he never got the thorn removed. Keep that in mind. What he got was stronger. See, we don't need to be praying that we can be, uh, God remove our problems. What we need, to, we need to pray for is to be stronger people. We don't need to pray that God will just take all our obstacles away. What we need to say is, oh God, give me strength to, to praise you because that is going to be your witness. Hey, I've been to the hospital, you have too, in the nursing home, and the most manifold, the most prominent praise I've ever heard, and many of them are your family, is men and women that praise God when they were hurting, when they were even dying, and they praise God and thank God. I'm going to tell you, you can't preach that. That is praising God. That's what God's called us to do, and we have every reason to do it. It's not fake. It is real. That little child is not fake. That little child will tell you things you might not want to hear, but they will tell you the truth. And Jesus says, let them praise me, because they know. 
Because you know what? Jesus never said to a little child, do you love me? He did say that to an adult. He said that to the apostle Peter. And he said, Peter, you love me. And if you do, you feed my lambs. You see that picture? Jesus is holding a lamb. I know it's just a picture, but Jesus does love little children. You remember that, and you praise him for it. And you say, God, make me like a little child. Make me, God, understand. My, my last point, I'm not going to get into it, was James 4.10. He says, when we humbled, then will we be lifted up. That's another paradox. Oh, God, make me like that little child. Every part of your life and mine. We don't need to say, well, God, uh, James says this. I'm going to go down next week. I'm going to go on a vacation or, or I'm going to get this. I'm going to buy this, do this. We need to say, it's God's will. I'm going to go here or there. It's God's will. I'm going to get up in the morning. Praise you, God, if you give me this opportunity. One more day to live for you who died for me. Because God, I might have to do it through your strength. I am weak, but you're strong. Oh God, you are God. Whatever I need to lose to gain you, it's a good deal. Oh God, I want to make it. Show me, Lord. Take away from me anything that would prevent me from praising you with the whole heart. And oh God, humble me that I might be lifted up. May the Lord bless you and keep you close to him. I may deal with this some tonight in another aspect, but praising God is just about like preaching about God's love. I mean, where in the world are you going to frame it? Where can you get a handle on praising God? Well, thank you for doing it. I'm going to tell you, praising God is catching. It is contagious. You tell, you take people praising God, you can tell it. Just like a little child. You know, you hear this. You know, we, we have uh, this privilege, like many of you, our grandchildren, and sometimes... What a blessing. I mean, not sometimes, all the time. <laughs> not what I'm saying. But you've heard the saying, keep you young. They do. They keep you young. Why? Because it's always going. They're doing something. I mean, that's what children of God, enthusiasm. Jesus said these little children that were shouting hosannas had enthusiasm. You know what enthusiasm means? God within. If you've got God within you, then you let him out. And you've got to do that with praise wherever you are, whatever situation you're in. He's worthy. Would you bow with me? Lord, we thank you so much for the power of praise and Lord, for considering us to be praisers. Lord, who are we made from dust to praise the creator of the universe? Oh, God, thank you so much. Help us, Lord, never miss a moment to praise you in our thoughts, minds, words, lips, lives, problems, pain. We thank you, Lord, that you've put us among praising people. Help us to be as parents and grandparents praisers to you so that our children will see what it means to praise God. And they will do it later when they need it the most. For we know, Lord... When you carry, we carry your word now when we're young, when we're old, it'll carry us. And that's what praise does. In Jesus' name, we praise you.
Amen.